0: Welcome to the Relationships Rule podcast. I'm your host Janice Porter and I'm very excited about my guest today. Her name is Laurel Rutledge and Laurel comes to us from Houston, Texas and from a referral from someone else that's been on my podcast and I love referrals. Referral <laughs> businesses is, is my favorite thing. So welcome
1: Laurel. Thank you. All. Thank you. I'm You're excited. Very
0: to- You're very welcome. So I'm just going to talk to a couple of things that Laurel has on her, um, intro so that we can jump right into a conversation. Laurel was in a, in corporate America, like so many women for so many years, like 30 years of experience and focus and, uh, focused on serving, um, bigger and broader. So decided it was time to leave corporate. uh, How long ago?
1: Oh, three years now going on four. Yeah.
0: And Two things I need to read here. Her passion, Laurel's passion is teaching the art of leading with your heart, but acting with your head to build the career or business that you desire. And first of all, I'm all about the heart and building relationships. And so that spoke to me. And the second thing, and we'll come back to the other one is through Laurel's one-on-one advisory services, VIP days and online small business HR resource, Laurel seeks to get you out of your rut or talk you back off that ledge and first of all that was so cool and i wanted to talk about that first laurel rutledge talks you out of your rut and back off that ledge who thought of
1: that it's so brilliant i know isn't that fantastic so it's like you said it's all about connection so one of the coaches uh that i worked with she's on the, the team of coaches that i have that are my personal coaches um As I was starting to work with them, she was saying, okay, now, Laurel, let's talk a little bit about your business and what you do. And so we were having this conversation. She's like, you talk people out of their rut or back off the ledge. I'm like, oh, that's it. I said, and that spells Rutland. She's like, yep. So It's almost like it was, that came from the divine or something. Right. Divine intervention. Yes. Was she by any chance a marketing coach? You know, she, it's actually, she's more the business kind of, you know, infrastructure systems coach, but she has some sales and marketing background and that's where that came from. Yeah. So, so fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I
0: loved it. Loved it. So it's easy to remember who you are in that yes. regard. Yes. So talk to me about um, teaching the, the art of leading with your heart, but acting with your head. So in doing that, please let, let my audience know what exactly you do. Cause
1: I know there's two parts to your business. Sure. So the, the big thing that I, I get people to understand is whether you're building a business or you're building a career, it comes down to two key pieces, which is strategy and people. Cause if you don't know where you're going, how do you know who you need on your team or around you? Right. And so, so when I tell people about leading with their heart, but acting with their head, it's that same vein. So often we, lead with emotion and especially women, we tend to lead with emotion. And while emotion is good, you need to turn emotion into passion or compassion. Because if we lead with emotion, we have sometimes a hard time making tough decisions or the right decision because our emotions are leading us. So take that emotion, put that into your heart. This is why I'm doing this. This is what I wanna do. This is the impact that I wanna have and put that in a little bubble own it, believe in it, sit in it, and then move to your head to say, okay, this is all the stuff I want to do because I believe in it. But now I've got to make a decision that's going to be impactful. I'm going to be able to communicate in a way that people hear the message that I want. And I'm going to be able to make the impact that I want to make because I've been thoughtful about the actions that I take. So that's what I mean about continuing to lead with your heart, but act with your head. And especially for small business owners, because it's, you know, everybody's not family. Right. And you got to make those tough decisions. And it's all about being really clear that it's not unkind to be clear.
0: It's not unkind to be clear. Yeah. You know, it it makes me think that, you know, I have, I have issues sometimes around, um, speaking. So when you have to speak to an audience or whatever Mm -hmm. that Mm I, um, I'm nervous about it. I don't, you know, unless I'm talking about something I'm really comfortable with, that's my passion or that I really care about, then I get nervous. But that's because I get into my head. Yes. So I'm better when I lead from my heart. But Mm -hmm. you're saying, have that passion, have that heart, but just be clear in your head about what's going on.
1: Right. Because there's a difference in, especially when you're speaking to people, when you're really trying to touch people, and get a message and communicate um, that tends to be much more heart led but the challenge is when you're trying to make specific decisions about your career or about your business if you're sitting in your emotion you are not necessarily allowing yourself to gather the kind of information that you need to gather the perspectives that you need that may or may not support the decision you want to make and so if you can kind of harness the passion harness the emotion Not negate it because that's when you get into all other kinds of issues, right? But harness it so that you can take that and use the energy behind the decision you ultimately make. That's what's important because emotion when speaking, you gotta have that because people need to connect with you. But when you're making a tough, especially a tough decision, it's really gotta be more around, okay, yeah, this is what my heart's telling me to do, but now how do I do it? That's where my head comes in
0: because that
1: way I make sure it's connected. And how do I make it work? Exactly. Exactly. So that takes me to
0: you leaving corporate yes. and the comment you made here about, I left corporate because I woke up one day feeling the worst I've ever felt and wondering yeah. why I kept tolerating the misery. I mm-hmm. went through that experience many, many years ago when I was teaching school. Mm-hmm. I love teaching and I love yeah. the kids, but the bureaucracy was killing mm-hmm.
1: me and mm-hmm. it got
0: political where I yeah. live and that's and. That just sort of changed everything for me, and I I was miserable, and I had to leave. So, what what was it? Was there a trigger
1: point? Was there one last straw that broke the camel's back for you? You know, uh, there was there was an incident that I just thought, okay, well, why 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 (laughs) why am I doing this? But when I look back at it um, again, unemotionally, right, it happened over time because. One of the things that we have a tendency to do, you know, real type A insecure overachievers, right? Women, and in particular women of color, tend to do is when things start feeling off, we go to self first. Did I really say it the right way? Did I show it the right way? Did I, we find we we are examining our involvement or participation or impact on whatever the situation was that didn't feel right. And so because I tend to be so focused on, on outcome, very rarely am I, uh, overly invested in the fact that some decision has to be my decision. That's not where I lead from. I lead from, let's get all the information on the table. Let's make the best decision possible. If my gut tells me we're probably going down the wrong path, I'm still going to be in because we agreed to do it, but I'm likely to have at least the plan B because I know better because I tend to have really good foresight,
0: Sure.
1: but I'm not, I'm not one of those people that's going to go out and say, Oh my gosh, I can't believe we did that. Right. That's just, that's not good leadership. And so, what I found over time was, you know, I didn't sleep on a Sunday night for five years. I was spending so much time trying to just support and cajole and, you know, try to get people to just get it. And we're talking a 150 year old company, we're talking a culture that was very much ingrained in patriarchy, that was very much ingrained in in processes that weren't necessarily logical or reasonable. And while on the one hand, really, really focused on innovate, 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 innovate. But when it came, when the rubber met the road, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. Cause that's not the way we've always done it, which is a killer to anyone who has any kind of forward thinking. And so I went home at December and I, I just kind of was able to pause. And I thought, I haven't slept when I am spending time with my family. I'm not present. I am not showing up for my team the way I like to show up. Like I was walking into meetings and having to say, okay, guys, it's not you. I'm just letting you know, it's not you. It has been one of those days where I'm having to fight, uh, you know, bosses overseas, bosses globally. We've made these decisions and then we come in and everybody gets all brand new. So we're having to redo stuff. They rewrite history. It was just a quagmire of crap to be frank. And I thought, why am I doing this? Because I have a choice and often corporate environments make you think you don't have a choice, right? Everyone always has a choice. Now they may be good choices or bad choices, but you have a choice. We're just not free from the consequences of the choices. And so I just realized that I was more important and my life was more important than whatever they were going to be doing and whatever money I was making, um, because not all money is good money. And it just reached a point where I didn't want to live that way anymore. It was just it was time. Yeah. And, and
0: that, ha- you have to come to that realization yourself, yes. of course, make that right. decision and be unafraid of the consequences right. or, you know, create something from it. I know right. uh, when I left teaching, it changed everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, there's so many, uh, I don't know what it's like well, I know it's a little bit different in the States than Canada, but, you know, basically teaching, although it's not paid really well, mm-hmm. you're, you're, quote, secure, not, right, not so much anymore in anything. But, <laughs> you know, the the fact that you'd have a job, you'd have a pension, right, line, that just never did it for me, like, right? I was sitting in the same class, the same lunchroom every day, God forbid, mm-hmm. I sat in someone else's chair by, oh. mistake. you know, that kind right. of mentality. And I, that wasn't me. Um, mm-hmm. So... When you, when you work with somebody who's mm-hmm. going through that, or maybe, maybe you do,
1: maybe you don't, I don't right. know. I, yeah. Yes.
0: So how do you, what when you can see it and they can't yes. see it yet, how yeah. do you help them over that ledge?
1: You know, off it's now. been off that ledge. Yes. It's yeah. been it's just, it's so rewarding to me. And that's why I said, you know, I could serve so much bigger if I'm not here, if I'm not battling this stuff, that's just ridiculous. Right. And when I work with people, there's, there's a few things that I do that actually come out of corporate, right. And come out of manufacturing. And, and so if you, if you look at my logo, anybody who goes to my seat, my logo is a tree. And there's a reason it's a tree trees really speak to me. And, and it's because if you look at the way a tree works, you start with the roots, right? A seed is planted, it grows roots. And from the roots, and if the roots are really strong, then the tree is really strong. And so that's why you have all these things. You feed the roots and you know, feed the roots of plants and all of that. And so when I'm working with someone individually, or even when I'm working with a business owner, I always start with, let's talk about what feeds you. And in particular, someone's in a, in a career crisis. Let's go back. Let's not talk about the job. Let's not talk about what's going on. Let's not talk about any of that right now. Let's go back to your foundation. What feeds you? And so I have them put together a, a tree my copyrighted Rutledge perspective tree and starts with the roots. And then what are all the things that now you have in you? That's the trunk, right? That vascular system that supports the tree. And then what are all the things you want to give to the world? So the, tr- the branches, the fruit, the Love leaves, that. the flowers, whatever it is, right? Because if you think about that system, roots to trunk to branches, everything falls off, goes back into the ground, re right? It's regenerating. And so we start there and then I have them talk about, What is the work that you want to do? And it's really important. I do not ask people what job they want. I am not your your job agent, right? I'm not the person that tells you, oh, you should be an accountant. You should be a whatever, right? I want you to think about what work you want to do. And the reason I do that is because we often put ourselves in boxes by thinking about, here's the job I want to be doing. Because if you think about the work you want to do, that work can be found almost in any business, in any organization, in any country, in any city, especially now with remote work. So focus on the work you want to do and then start asking yourself why that work is important. And we go through a five why process, which is a manufacturing process, root cause analysis, right? You ask yourself why five times. And I actually have people ask themselves why one day and just sit with that answer. Don't ask five whys in the same time, sit with the answer. And so over five days, you kind of get to that root cause. And then when we meet back again, we connect. Here's what you said your why was, here's the work you said what you want to do, but here's the stuff that nourishes you. And so when you connect those dots for people, it's like, this is why this feels bad. Mm -hmm. This is why this feels bad. It doesn't mean that you're bad or you're not capable. It's somehow disconnected. So then the decision becomes, okay, so... But this is, this is me living to work, right? I live to work and I now I know that about myself. So I'm just going to dig in. I'm going to stay here because this is going to feed me or I'm a work to live kind of person. And this is no longer feeding me. I'm going to put it in a different perspective so that it's no longer making me crazy because I'm not here to be the next CEO. I am here because this paycheck enables me to do the stuff I love. And so it's that's how I work with people to really get clear on, their why, their roots, right? Right. And then connect all of that stuff to then what they're doing so they can move in action with purpose. Even if that action is, I need to sit still for a minute because sometimes that is the decision we have to make. And we need to give ourselves grace to do that because it could very much be right now, I've got bills to pay. I've got kids in school. I've got a kid going to college. I've got healthcare bills. I've got somebody who's whatever it is. I need to sit still in this moment And that's okay. And we can't judge ourselves for that or allow someone else's judgment to make us feel bad about that. We just have to own it, know it, and then understand, well, that's where I am right now. That doesn't mean I can't be making a plan. That just means I can put it in the right perspective. So I'm not allowing it to make my spirit heavy, to make me crazy. So that's kind of how I work with people. I love it.
0: That's great information and, and, um, and food for thought for a lot of people, I'm sure. Yes. yes, especially yeah. I, I was just talking to a young woman um, before our call who mm-hmm. uh, was on a presentation I did the other night for mm-hmm. some women in leadership, and yes. she is in transition and she mm-hmm. was talking about her LinkedIn profile and, and, and I was talking about some of the things that she probably needed to think about, mm-hmm. and she said, I think I need to go and really think about what my next steps are going to be before yes. I can formulate that on LinkedIn. And I said, absolutely. Yes. I think that's really important for you. Absolutely. So yeah, it's, it's important. So you also said in here, um, there is strength, no, uh, there's strength in knowing our worth and our why and expecting to be treated as the exceptionally talented human beings that we are. Mm-hmm. And I tend to be a voice that champions that narrative and impacts that change. One leader, one woman, one shiro at mm-hmm. a time. Now, you did make a statement in there about um, how um, specific issues arise Mm -hmm. with women of color. Yes. And without being political, really, I think this is an important issue today, whether it's black, brown, yellow, whatever color it is, um, diversity and inclusion is a big piece these days. Yes. Right. And um, I don't know if it's different in, you know, one country than another, mm-hmm. but I know right now the United States is going through hell in a hand, yes. going to Absolutely. hell in a handbasket, right? Yes. And um, by the time this airs, there will have been something happen. Yes. We don't know what at this right. point, but we are um, about to um, a week. We're a week from a
1: week the away US election yes. right now. Yes.
0: So do you find that you're, you, seek women in color because you know you can help them or do they are they drawn to you
1: because they know that you've been there? Right, it's, it's a little bit of both, um, especially in corporate, right? Because the journey is, is so different. Um, we just saw um, that with Global, the CEO of Wells Fargo say, yeah, we don't have very many black people in leadership because there just aren't very many that are talented. Wow. And, and I can't believe, it, well, I can't believe he actually said that out loud, but I was just like, R- really? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so the issue around being a woman of color in particular is it is a very different journey. You know People talk about code switching and how much you have to modify who you are just mm-hmm. to be heard. Mm-hmm. And that is beyond just being female. So I don't even get to deal with issues of gender until I deal with issues of race and ethnicity. Because when I walk into a room, they don't see a woman, they see a black woman, mm-hmm. which is different. And so there are already uh, ideas around competency, around how I'm going to respond to things, around passion versus aggression, around you know, all of those kinds of things, the whole mad black woman syndrome that we battle every day. And so it is not so much a disconnect. And I think this is where the rhetoric has gotten so, so off kilter, it is not a rejection of everyone else. It is a, an embracing of that story, that journey, which is different, which has hurdles that are um, so tall sometimes that it is you, you are literally having to climb up them as opposed to cross over them. It is about the, the challenge of simply showing up as who you are and being expected to be competent because the expectation is that you won't be. And that you are hired because you fit a box. You check a box. You can't possibly really be competent. You can't possibly have earned it. And so we tend to internalize that. And if you're already kind of a type A, it just makes it even worse Mm -hmm. because you're constantly trying to make sure that you're saying the words the right way so people can hear it, that you're showing up the right way, that you're presented the right way. Just the fact that I wear my hair natural and not straightened is a problem. When we have to make a law that says you cannot discriminate against someone because they're wearing their hair natural, it's a problem.
0: Didn't we see that with um, Gabrielle Union.
1: Yes, yeah. exactly. With Gabrielle Union, and there was there were several cases where kids had been said they told they can't march at graduation. There, it's it's that whole dress code thing in in the U.S. Um, often targeting girls, right? So you can't wear your arms out. You can't wear and so and that is all girls. And then the whole hair thing, right? Because if you think about, you can't have anything that's unnatural in your hair. You can't have unnatural colors. You can't have, well, if you are a person of color and something that happens in your culture is that you braid your hair or you put weave in your hair, or you put extra, that's considered unnatural and they can send you home because it's a violation of a dress code. Oh and so it's the, it's the systemic pieces of institutional racism Mm -hmm. and institutional otherism, I won't even say racism, institutional otherism, that makes that journey just different. The kind of, the the way you have to show up, the way you have to think, you have to play chess, you can't play checkers. You have to think 12 steps ahead of the other person. And that's because you need to know what their argument is going to be that has nothing to do with the situation at hand, but simply because of the vessel that is making the argument.
0: That's
1: exhausting. It's exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting. And- I do believe, I do believe because I am a person that likes to live my life glass half full. I do believe that if there's anything that's come out of this crazy time that we have been in for the last four years is that people are now unable to say, oh, we didn't know that stuff was going on. You know, we weren't able, it was almost so kind and so polite that it was, no, 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 that doesn't happen. No one can say anymore that it doesn't happen. And so there's now this this visibility to some of the unfounded biases, um, the unconscious bias that we just need to address and do acknowledge that they do exist, that none of us is perfect because unconscious bias is not just relegated to one gender or one race or one sexual orientation. All of us have bias and much of it is unconscious. It's an idea of a whole awakening of self-awareness and consciousness that I think is gonna enable us to truly capitalize on what diversity and inclusion and equity is supposed to be, which is actually not just having a seat at the table, that's just geography. It is about actually listening and understanding and inviting, you know, a different perspective to actually participate in the process. And I think, I believe that we will get there. I think it's gonna take a minute still, but I think the it's first step to that. Is, That's the part I don't understand. I it's twenty twenty. Okay,
0: so I have a granddaughter, mm-hmm. my first and only, and she's yes. almost 16 she's months. so old. cute <laughs> and is so precious. Yeah. And she's biracial. Yeah. She is Caucasian and Afro Afro-American. Mm-hmm. And African-American. And I look at her and I think what's in store for her. Mm -hmm. And she's, you know, in Canada, not in the U S right. So there, you know, it's like, it's funny because when I was uh, going to school Mm -hmm. way back in the dark ages and (laughs) where I lived in, um, this area, we lived in a pretty affluent area mm-hmm. but my dad was still climbing the ladder and right and uh you know we were the poor kids on the block gotcha. but we were also one of the very few you could count on one hand mm-hmm. how many jewish kids were in my school and i was right. one. okay right i see her my granddaughter as being that minority yeah now, right just by the right. color of her skin right so i wonder what it's going to be like for her it's got yeah. to be different than it was for us it's got yeah. to be you
1: know but it's so yeah, five years away, right? so exactly. Yeah. And well, and I, th- I think in some ways it is. I mean, there, there are generations of kids who have grown up building relationships through technology, right? And so they have learned to relate to each other and connect to each other without having seen each other, if they see each other at all, right? So, so they don't, their biases are different. Their, their, their ability to connect is based on how they treat each other, through technology, right? And the relationships they build that way. And so they don't initially have this, this immediate kind of response to someone looking other or being other. Now, I think the challenge for us now is because with the pandemic and so much more of this kind of Zoom thing, yeah. uh, people are able to see more and it's much more invasive. You can see, you know, what does your house look like? Oh, you have a cat. I didn't know you if had I a dog. See, I, I see one more bookshelf. Oh, <laughs> it's insane, right? And no. so, and so people who have really tried to keep a barrier between personal and professional are really having that challenge, right? Or having to go out and buy some kind of screen so they can block sure. stuff off. So, I think for generations that are coming, their tolerance for otherness is much less than, than ours was. And I don't know that we were tolerant of it so much as we tolerated it because it didn't feel like we had a choice. Mm -hmm. I don't think they, I think they're unwilling to tolerate it and they are willing to do something different. So I have to believe that going forward, those biases will be called out sooner and faster. Mm-hmm. They will be addressed sooner and faster. And I think there is there is a level of tolerance that's just different than there was. Um, now in the U.S., I don't know. I mean, we've got it, it's so institutional. It can be absolutely overwhelming when you think about how much of this is just ingrained in our very systems. Yeah. Um, but I think the person to person, the human to human connection. Um, I just have to have hope in that because I think I see it. I see people coming together. I see people going back to being kind, to civil discourse, to understanding you don't have to be disagreeable to disagree, you know, and getting back to those things. I just have to believe that we will get there again and that it will be different for your granddaughter. I just think, you know, we're in this period of time that any change has to go through something. If it's going to be real change, it usually has a catastrophic impulse to do it. And I think that's where we are right now. And I'm just praying that the majority of us survive it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Are you seeing a lot more uh, women leaving corporate? Like, is it, is your job getting, you know, overwhelming because there are more and more people coming to you?
1: There are many more leading. In fact, it's so funny you asked that question. There was just a, a report this last week. I think it was Thursday or Friday that I heard. And there are, when, when you look at what happened with the pandemic and, and, you know, business is shutting down, having to go remote, kids working at home. I believe the number is, and, and, and please don't quote me, but, but it's something like this. It was like, compared to a couple of hundred thousand of men who have been pushed out of the workforce, 800,000 women oh. have been pushed out um, or had to made, made the decision to come out um, mm-hmm. because of, you know, help uh, family care, child care, right. elder care, you know, all right. of those kind of things. And so the question becomes, well, now what happens? Because you already had the, the situation where women would self-select out to yeah. start families or to care for families, or they just wanted something different. And then when they were ready to get back in, it was like they had to start all over, which was absolutely unreasonable because it wasn't like they lost everything just because they took right. off a couple of years. Right. Uh, but that's the way the system worked, right? And so if you look now forward two, three, four, ten 10 years, what impact then now is that going to have? Almost a million women out of the workforce What is that impact going to have on now those leadership levels in the next few years? Mm -hmm. But also, what is that going to have on entrepreneurship? Because you're finding a lot of those women, they're not having a choice. They're going to have to do something. that needs to be more flexible. Mm -hmm. If the organization is not willing to be flexible, then they're finding ways to still create income. And so I think we're seeing lots of entrepreneurship innovation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think companies are going to have a really serious reckoning, uh, especially those who are unwilling to truly embrace and understand adaptability and flexibility Um, because we can no longer say with integrity, it's not possible to work remotely and be productive. You can't say that with integrity anymore.
0: That's right. Um, You can say
1: you don't like it and that's, you're free to do that, but you cannot say it's not possible. And so those companies who are incapable of understanding that people can be sometimes more productive if they're not having to commute, they're not having to do all that other stuff. um, they are, I think, going to be hurt the worst in terms of of getting the best talent and retaining the best talent if they're not able to do that. So,
0: um, as we're coming to a close, I still Mm -hmm. have a more questions. Um, when, as my beingness and my, uh, podcast is all about building relationships Mm -hmm. and the importance of relationships, um, I think of a, a saying that I I've said many times, I think it comes from my father somehow mm-hmm. ingraining it in me and I'm yeah. not sure about it, but I want to ask you. Sure. And that is, you know, it's not, um, it's not what you know, it's who, you know. Right. So right. when people are looking to, you know, start something or right. even get a new job or whatever. And they're right. using the tools like the LinkedIn and, and mm-hmm. uh, working with re, um, recruiters or whatever right. um, resumes and bios and all of that means one thing, but I've always found it is true that it's not why yeah. you know so much as who, you know, what's your take on that?
1: Right. I, no, I agree. And I would even take it further. It's not what, you know, it's who, you know, and who knows you. Ah. Right. Um, and and I think that that relationship piece is is truly important. I mean, my my dad had a similar saying. He's like, you know, even when you have nothing, if you have a good name, you have everything. Oh yeah. And so as you as you are moving through your life, um, whether that's personal or professional, those people you surround yourself with, those those connections that you make, because we are. We are beings that like to be connected, right? Humans like to be connected. We like to be engaged with others, even those of us who are introverts, right? We like that engagement with others. Um, and I'm even finding, as I go see my mom this week, I'm like, I need that human connection. I'm missing the human connection. Oh, totally. Um, it's just, it's just hard, right? And so that that ability to connect, that having genuine connections authentic connections as you said we got connected through a network um, and she's connected me Michelle's connecting me with other people and and so and I believe in in those being reciprocal and what can you do to serve the other person and so I always encourage people as you are moving to do something else and I heard this from a from she's an Emmy winner and a Grammy winner I believe a, a producer named Ricky Hughes she said the thing about connections and network and mentoring um, is that it's a two-way street. And I've always said that. It's a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so as you go out and build your network and build these connections, not only what can that person bring to you, what do they know that you need to know, but what can you add to them? And it may not be monetary. You may not be able to teach them anything different, but there may be a connection you have. There may be a tool you know. There may be something that you are bringing to the relationship as well, because it should be reciprocal. Mm -hmm. It should be reciprocal. And so I think as people are really looking at the next step, whatever that is for them, whether it's a new job, whether it's opening a business and trying to, to get those connections and build that network, Mm -hmm. build it based on who you really are, show up as you are, whatever that is. I mean, you know, people love Gary Vee. He's a little out there for me, but you either love him or hate him, but he is who he is all the time. Right. right. So be who you are and you will attract the people who are supposed to be attracted to you and make sure that you, Understand that it that service and, and networking is not just about you. It's also about the other person.
0: That's a, that's the thing I talk about all the time. I'm always teaching people that, you know, it's it's not about you. It's what's in it for mm-hmm. them. They like to talk yeah. about themselves, learn about other people. And then yes. be, and that brings me to my last question because I want to say I was just about to say, um, what it you know, be curious about them. Yes. That's my favorite word, curiosity. So yes, you know, what are me you too. curious about?
1: I, you know, I am a curious person by nature and I've, I've learned that over my career and over time. And so, in fact, my three words for this year were curiosity, compassion, and conviction. Those are my three words. And so I tell people all the time, they would ask me, Laurel, how do you know how to ask that question, you know, in business? And how did you know to ask them that? How do you, one, I listen really well. I listen because I listen to understand because I'm curious. I want to know, I want to understand. I want to know what levers to push. I want to know what makes people tick. Mm -hmm. I want to know why they made the decisions they make. Why is it Question for me, and that's about genuine curiosity. Yeah. And so, if you are genuinely curious, genuinely curious, that can get you into and out of so many things. Because if you're genuinely curious, we'll build that reciprocal relationship. Because you want to know. That's that doesn't nice. mean you need to know the bowels of everybody's relationship. That's not what I'm talking about, right? Because I, because I don't need to know that, right? I don't need to know what color you painted your garage, right? <laughs> that's that's yeah. not it. But I am curious about how you show up in the world and why. And so if you can, if you can build from that curiosity will actually take you so many other places. If you're in HR, be curious, why does the business work the way it works? How do the people that we bring impact that business? If you are building your career, why do I want to do this? And what is it about it that really makes it awesome? Being curious, right? Mm -hmm. That, that one, that one aspect of your being is one that can take you so many places, not only clarity, but also it can tell you, yeah, that's not what I thought it was. So maybe I might need to do something different, right? Because you've asked the question. So I love it. That's top, great. top word of my, my three this year. Oh, yeah. That, that's really
0: cool because it, yeah. Um, I could talk for ages. Me about too. That. Yeah. <laughs> and I know we could do that. We'll have to do this again. Because Absolutely. I think it's time to wrap it up. And I totally, yeah. I just enjoyed everything about this Thank conversation you. and learning lots from you that's and, uh, and I thank you. I thank you. Um, how can my audience find you? I have the information here, which will sure. put on my, uh, in the show notes, but if you have one last place, you want them to look or anything you have to.
1: Sure. Um, well, one, thank you so much for having me. I, I've just really enjoyed this and I enjoyed meeting you. I think, the, the easiest way, of course, is just laurelrutledge.com. That's my website. Sure. Um, and so you can get to my podcast there. There's information oh, right. on how to listen to me on the radio show. So you can get to all of that um, on laurelrutledge.com. I'm all there. And I am on social media. So you can find me on Facebook and you can find me on Instagram, um, usually at the Rutledge Perspective or Laurel K. Okay. Rutledge on is everything.
0: the Rutledge Perspective your podcast? So the podcast
1: is called the Rutledge Perspective, um, the Rutledge Perspective podcast on all, all formats. Mm-hmm. And then the radio show is also called the Rutledge Perspective. And that goes live on my facebook page every tuesday so i'll be there tomorrow morning so okay. yeah, yeah. i love to have people one of those,
0: um, just recently but i i <laughs> have to admit i hadn't listened to your podcast because i like to come in cold actually absolutely yeah i feel the same then way I'll listen to it yes <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you again for being my guest it's been delightful thank and thank you uh, to my uh, audience uh, i hope there were some nuggets there for you please let us know by leaving a review and remember to stay connected and be remembered